0: Thank you for joining the Pinewood Church podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you fresh perspective on how God is moving in your life. For more information, visit us at pinewoodboulder.com. Enjoy the message. Luke, chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 26 through 38. The angel replied, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born with the baby will be born holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her 6th month. For the Lord, for the word of God will never fail." Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this uh, beautiful text. We thank you for uh, Dr. Luke and how he articulates this story uh, with such precision and such detail. Uh, Father, God, we ask that you would come and move in this place tonight. Father, we are... uh, so grateful for uh, your, your spirit and how your spirit comes and move, moves and leaves us different than the way that we came in. So, Father, we pray that you would do that today. God, I pray for everybody that came here, uh, those that maybe came with a heavy heart, uh, those that maybe came with questions. Father, we know that as we lean into you, uh, our, our hurt, our pain, our load becomes lighter as we lean into uh, you. Father God, we know that we can find every answer to every question that we've ever had. And so we do that tonight, and we give you all the praise and glories, and in your name we pray, amen. So look at it in the text. If you have your Bibles, you can be taking notes in there, if you have your phone. We're just going to systematically work through it verse by verse, and we're going to talk through some of the details of the passage. Starting in verse 26, it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. So you may not know this, but what he's referring to there in, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth is actually Mary's cousin, who was old later in her years, as though uh, the angel said, as though Zechariah said. But God came down, spoke to Zechariah and said, you're going to have a son. And this son is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so Elizabeth had a miracle from God and conceived A son, she's six months into that miracle when the angel Gabriel came to Mary. Gabriel is God's messenger angel. We see two angels in scripture, Michael and Gabriel. There are many, many more other angels. These are the two that are named. When Michael shows up, it's about to go down. Michael's the warrior angel. It gets intense when he shows up. Gabriel is the messenger angel. So he's coming, bringing a message of the Lord to Mary. Now, if someone wanted us to see about the location of this text Nazareth. Nazareth is not a big deal. We're gonna, I'm going to share with you why that's important, but Nazareth is not a big deal. It's a small, very insignificant town, and there's not even a whole lot we even know about it. I would imagine that the population at that time in Nazareth was maybe 1,600 max. If you went to school in Nazareth, you knew all your classmates. It was a very small and culturally insignificant town. But all that was about to change. You see that they knew that the Messiah was about to come and he was about to be a Nazarite. Let's look on in the text. It says that the angel Gabriel came to a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now, at the time, women and men, they got married a lot younger. So this may seem a little crazy for some of you, but it's thought that Mary could have been as young as 14 years old whenever the angel Gabriel came to her and she heard this news. Now, for those of you that have 14-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 16-year-olds, that's kind of hard to imagine, right? Like, an angel coming to somebody that young... Just, just for the record, she was engaged to Joseph. Uh, I don't recommend that you get engaged at 14. So that's our, that's our stance right now. But it was a different time, different place, uh, different culture. And she was very, very young. And so, what I want you to see, and this is what I believe is so significant about even just these first couple verses, is that she was young, she was from a very insignificant town. Uh, we see in uh, another text uh, that she was poor. And then we know that she is the female. So let's think about those four things. In, in the context of her day, all the cultural standard would have said that this person is not the person that God would use for such a significant task as caring and mothering. The Messiah. The greatest thing that you could possibly ever imagine God could call somebody to do is to carry, not only carry, but mother the Messiah to be obedient towards that. He calls Mary to do it. And for me, that just kind of is encouraging to me. I don't know if that's encouraging to you, but it's encouraging to me because... I don't know if you've ever felt this way before, but have you ever felt like when God has called you to do something or God has spoke something over your life, maybe it was even just uh, whenever God was calling you to himself or something and you thought, like, I don't know that I have what it takes. You know, I've made too many mistakes to be called towards this or I can't receive his grace for this reason or, or, or you may have deemed yourself insignificant in, in some way, I know this has to be true. I know I'm speaking to somebody that's, that's had this thought before when God's called him to something great. Thought, I'm, I don't know. I, I feel too insignificant for that task. I just want to encourage you today as it encouraged me. Like, it doesn't matter what you bring to the table. When God enters the equation, everything changes. You are not insignificant, but you have power, and you have favor, and you have, are appointed by God, I hope I hope that encourages somebody here today. Also, we see in the text that she was a virgin. The reason that this is significant is because she could Jesus could not come from the seed of Adam, because it would be connected to the sin of Adam. It came from God, and so she was a virgin. Another uh, way of saying it is that she had not yet had sexual relations that the baby that, she was going to be, that was going to be conceived in her was going to be a holy baby, a set-apart baby, a righteous baby from God. Next, we see that she was married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. In that day, engagement was kind of like getting married, just without the benefits of being married. But it was like being married. You would actually have to get a divorce, If you no longer wanted to be engaged to this person. That's how uh, significant being engaged to somebody was culturally in that time. And it says that he was an ancestor of David. Many of you may have read that and thought, why is that so significant? Well, all throughout scriptures, we see God spoke it to Abraham. He spoke it to Isaac, to Jacob, to Judah, and also to David, that the Messiah was going to come through their line. I want to look at a passage of Scripture in 2 Samuel seven twelve through 14 It says this, For when you die and are buried, this is to David, when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your, o- your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with a rod like any other father would do. This is a prophecy that happened many, many years earlier, declaring to David that through your line, I'm going to bring the Messiah. And this is just so neat to me. It's like connecting the dots of everything that's happening here. Over 700 years prior to Jesus coming down and this encounter happening with Mary and Gabriel, God spoke to people Prophesying, it's gonna Abraham, you got the bleer. Bless the world, everyone on the earth will be blessed through your seed. And they spoke to Isaac, to Jacob, to Judah. And I think to myself, and God is God is all knowing. God can see ahead. He can see behind. There is no time with God. God knew that appointment was ahead. And he was working out all of the little details that led up to this moment in time with Ga- the angel Gabriel and with Mary. It's so, so fascinating to me, the prophecies that were fulfilled. I hope, and we're going to be looking at several others, there's so many that I couldn't possibly share all of the prophecy, prophecies that were fulfilled in the Messiah coming in, and the very specific way that he came. It'd be impossible for me to do that in just these short few minutes. But I hope that that builds your faith tonight as you think about how much God was into the details of even a thousand years before. Next we see Gabriel appeared to her greeting. He said, favored woman, the Lord is with you. That word favored is greatly graced woman. God's unmerited love and his unmerited favor is coming down on you today. I got something good for you. And he says, the Lord is with you. I was thinking about that part, that last part, the Lord is with you. And I man, I've heard that. And in Matthew 1, 23, uh, this is referencing an Old Testament prophecy. Matthew says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And here you have the Gabriel coming to Mary saying, hey, the Lord's with you. God's with you. Little did she know when she heard that sentence, she was thinking, God's about to be in me. But that should bring, just as I imagine that statement from Gabriel brought comfort to Mary. I hope that brings comfort to you today. I want to declare to you today that Emmanuel has come. Emmanuel is with you. We're going to look at that a little deeper next Sunday. But that should encourage all of us today. We don't serve a God that is distant. We don't serve a God that is disconnected. But we serve a God that is with you, that he's for you, and that he loves you so Much And he has an amazing plan for your life. Just as the angel Gabriel said, favorite woman, the Lord is with you. Tonight, if you are a child of God, I want to tell you, you are favored, you are loved, and that the Lord is with you. Moving on, verse 29. She was confused. She was disturbed, as I mean, can you imagine? And Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. I was thinking... I've experienced a much lower scale this many times in my life when God has called me to something and I've been confused and a little disturbed. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? I mean, us moving out here caused a little, to, like, we we're like, wait, what? We're going where? We got to do what? Just a little confused. But I, I want us to see something very clear, something specific here. Last week, we looked at Zechariah and we looked at his response. His response was disbelief, but I don't believe that's what's happening here. Because when he had disbelief, he said, the angel said, all right, shut your mouth until the baby is born. But that's not what happened here. I don't believe this is disbelief. I I believe that she's just curious. She's like, hey, this is a legitimate question. God, how is this going to happen? What? What? What are you doing? In verse 30, he he comforts her. He says, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. I want to tell you today, many of you are like, favor. Now that's a sermon I like. Give me all the favor. Speak favor over my life. And I want to tell you today, you don't find favor. Favor finds you. You don't go out and achieve favor from God. God, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to earn your love. I'm going to earn your favor. I'm going to earn your grace. I'm going to earn your blessing. No. No. You don't achieve favor, you don't achieve grace, you receive grace. You receive his blessing on your life, and you receive his favor. Another thing is that favor doesn't fall on the fortunate. You may be thinking, man, I've never felt God's favor on my life. Those are for the fortunate few. I want to tell you, that's not true. If that were true, then this little 14-year-old girl from an ins- insignificant town who is uneducated and dirt poor, she would not have been considered the fortunate. Favor doesn't fall on the fortunate. Favor rests on the faithful. And now we can see from the text that Mary was faithful to God, that she trusted God, she was submitting to God, and she humbly served God. But I want to tell you today, That God favors you. God loves you. This word favor and this word grace, they go hand in hand together. Same word, favor grace. What is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor on your life. It's his unconditional love for you today. You may be thinking to yourself, like, nobody could ever love me. I've done some terrible things in my life. I've rejected God countless times. He probably doesn't like me right now. Nevertheless, like deeply love me and want to bless me and have a plan for my life. I want to tell you today, that's a lie from the devil. The devil wants you to believe that. He wants to whisper in your ear, you're not good enough. God doesn't love you. You're not favored. You're not a child of God. But I want to speak the truth as loud as I can today and tell you that God does love you. And that tonight, no matter how you came in, Man, I hope you feel a little bit more encouraged today as we lean into the truth that God not only loved you, but God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son into the world to die a, a brutal death, carrying on the weight, shouldering the weight of your sin, paying the penalty that should have been yours and should have been mine for our sin and our disobedience to God. He loved us so much that he was willing to send his son into that. But his son didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, defeating sin and defeating death so that we may have life. And that God who loves us so much wants to give us that life, that abundant life and that favored life so that we can now live in his grace and not our shame. Instead of carrying the guilt of our sin and the shame of the world, we can now live in freedom and abundance in Christ, saying, my my sins have been forgiven. God has washed me clean as snow and I can walk in victory in Jesus' name. If you're grateful for that, just give God a second shout of praise. That's okay. That's all right. That's all right. You can shout here. It's all good. We can praise God in his house. Verse 31 says, You will conceive and you'll give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. The prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 9, 6. He said, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and the prince of peace like i said before every detail matters in scripture even so much as last week when we looked at the name john i didn't unpack this a, a lot then but it means you know god is gracious and then we see that jesus his name actually means jehovah saves or the lord is salvation is what the name of his is what the meaning of his name is every detail matters. And the people of that day would have known what that meant. And they would have rejoiced in hearing, I'm going to have a son. She knew the, she knew the prophecies. She knew the scriptures. We'll see, we'll see that later in a text where she's quoting much of the Old Testament. But she knows what the scripture says. She said, I'm going to be carrying Jesus, Jehovah's salvation, the Lord saves. Ah, it's going to be me. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that's going to both freak you out and pump you up, I would imagine. I'd be like, yeah, what? Cool. Ah, you sure? You got the right person. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. There it is again. It's coming through the ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. What I want you to see is that through a series of kings and a series of situations, all all throughout the Old Testament, God was setting the stage for the king of all kings, no ordinary king, but the king of all kings is the Lord of all lords, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, the almighty God, the son of God, Jesus to come to the earth and reign. And his kingdom will have no end. No more, no more kings. We, we have a, a king king who sets the standard, who sets the rules. When we pray, we say, your kingdom come, Your will be done. Why? Because his kingdom never ends. His kingdom reigns forever. And we pray his kingdom, his standard, his conviction down on our life. And his kingdom will never end. And Mary asked, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. I thought about that. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and his power will overshadow you. And I was thinking about the Holy Spirit and power. And I was thinking in anything in life today, in any situation that you're in and anything God calls you to, the same truth that was spoken over Mary in that day is true today. You're like, God, how am I going to get over this, this thing? God, how am I going to be comforted? God, I just lost a loved one. Like, where are you, God? Like, what is going on? The same power that brought Jesus into Mary, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, it, it's the same power that is living and working in you. God, how are you going to do this thing in my life? The Holy Spirit's power is going to do it through you. That's why we pray, Spirit, come, meet us here. God, we want your power to move. We want to leave changed. We want to leave transformed. And we know where the, where the Holy Spirit is, life change happens because his power moves. I love that word overshadow, I want to just kind of take a second to pull that word out, just a second. That's actually a reference. I don't have time to go into this to in great detail, but it's, it's actually a reference to the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle in the temple days where God's presence would fall. And whenever he's saying that the Holy Spirit will have the power and he'll overshadow you, he's literally saying, I'm going to make your womb the holy of holies. My presence is going to fall there. Feel the weight of that. My presence is coming to your womb because the Son of God, God, Jesus, will be holy and he will reside in your belly. How powerful. Can you imagine carrying that around? Thinking, wow, the holy of holies in my belly. it will overshadow you and the baby will be holy. He'll be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth was pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. If God says it, he does it. If he spoke it, he always sees it through. There may be something in your life where you heard, I heard a voice from God say this over my life, and I'm still waiting. If God spoke it, he's going to do it. His word never fails, and there's nothing he can't do. I remember being in an impossible situation, even in our family, and I remember, uh, my wife and I, uh, and I remember thinking, God, he spoke something over my life for our future. And he said, in five years, you're going to be debt free. And I remember him speaking that over my life. And I was just like, but God, like we got these student loans, we got these cars, we got these things in my life. Like, it's going to be the power of your Holy Spirit. Like, it is like nothing I could do. Like, it's going to be miracle after miracle after miracle. Money is going to have to rain down from heaven. Like something crazy is going to have to happen. But he spoke that over my life, and over and over again, my wife and I, every single year, we come and we'd be like, okay, like this is what God spoke over my life, and when God speaks something over your life, you speak it. Because whenever God speaks something over my life, you speak it as if it's done. You claim it in Jesus' name. And I said, he's going to do this thing. I feel it. He told me. And year, year, and I'm like, ooh, we're getting close to year number five. What are you doing, God? Like, I'm not seeing it. But then one miracle after the next. Just boom, chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And then year five, almost, almost to the day, boom, they were gone. 100% death-free. Miracle after miracle after miracle. I just want to tell you today, nothing is impossible with God. That's what he says here. Another translation literally says, God never fails on his word. Literally, nothing is impossible with God. To all other standards, this is an impossible situation. A virgin is going to have a baby? Impossible. God is going to be both God, fully God and fully human. What? Impossible. Then he leans in even to this old woman who couldn't conceive and was barren. God had a baby, another miracle. Yeah, that's, that's impossible. God is the impossibility specialist. That's what he specializes in is doing the impossible. So why not lean into that? Why not pray for that and trust God when he speaks something over your life? God's into the details. I love whenever I read this, I thought to myself, it's almost like the angel is saying, this is what's going to happen to you. Something amazing is going to happen. I got a miracle for your life. God has found favor on your life. It's time. The Messiah is coming. Oh, and by the way, I'm doing something over here too. I got a miracle working over here too. I'm preparing the way for your son. I got something amazing going over here too. And I feel like so often in our life, if we get, we get so focused on what's going on in our life and where's my miracle, we forget. God's into the details all around us. Working things out, situations all around us. Situations that we're stressed out about, anxious about, angry about. Man, we can become so focused on that. God's doing other stuff. He says, hey, I'm not only working in your life, I'm working over here too. For you and for your son. And nothing is impossible with God. His word never fails. And the last verse is this. Mary responded and she said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything that you've said to me come true. And then the angel left her. I love her, her response here. So humble. So committed. So quick. And she didn't say, "Like God, give me, I'm going to spend the next 21 days of prayer and fasting. <laughs> and I'll get back to you and we'll see how this thing goes. No, she said, I'm the Lord's servant. A servant, another says maid. Another translation says maid. But she literally says to God, I am the lowest of low and you are the greatest. Whatever you say, I'm going to do. And it says, be it unto me. She has willing, willing obedience here. Now there's something that you need to understand here. We can easily read this story and we can think, well, good for Mary. Like, of course she's gonna say yes. She just saw Gabriel. All this incredible stuff happened. But what you gotta realize is there was great risk in this yes. It wasn't just yes. Everything's gonna work out good. Everything's gonna be okay. No, 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 no. She was engaged, and she's about to have a meet up with her fiance and say, "Hey, uh, I'm pregnant." You know, in her mind, she's thinking, man, I wonder how that's going to go down. What's my fiance going to feel about that? Like, who's the baby? This may sound a little crazy, but it's God. What? So not only did she risk going to her, her fiance and telling her she's pregnant and then her husband divorcing her, but at that time, if her husband would have divorced her, that would have put her in a very, very bad place because now she has a baby. Nobody to take care of her. And in that day, if you got a divorce, she had no way of caring for herself, providing for herself in that time and in that culture. So, I mean, a, a lot of difficult things for her future in store if things don't go as planned. And so you can imagine, I mean, if you're like a person that when God asks you to do something, it's like, okay, God, give me 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm going to weigh out the pros. I'm going to weigh out the cons. If the pros, outweigh weigh the cons, I'll move in the con direction and I'll say yes and everything's going to work out okay. But that's not what God is calling us to God is calling us to immediate obedience, servant obedience. Yes, God, whatever you say, I'm going to do. I come with a willing and a committed heart to you. Yeah, I see the risk in the future. I see that there's a lot of unknowns, but I'm your servant. Do unto me according to your word. How many of you here today would say, God, whatever you say, I'm going to do, no matter what it is? You want me to get my car away? I'll get my car away. Some of you already got nervous, you're thinking, "Wait, I need to get my car away. I mean, light my car away. God calls us things that just don't make sense. I need to go tell somebody about Jesus, well, God, what if they never check me? What if they say no? A willing heart, a commitment to Christ. What's our immediate obedience? despite the risk. Our community at Pinewood Church aims to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in Boulder and around the world. Thank you for your support. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find out more at pinewoodboulder.com or on any social media platform with the handle at Pinewood Boulder.